WNST, Towson, Baltimore, Baltimore positive. We are uh, into the all-star game week. I remember when I used to get on jet planes and fly out to places like Seattle. Like I did about, I don't know, 18, 20 all-star. I don't know how many I did. I did a lot. Uh, I will not be there this week, but half of the Baltimore Orioles will be there. At least it feels that way as the Orioles surge toward the end. It's been a little while since we saw this guy. If he Looks a little heftier, a little darker. It's He's been hanging at the beach eating pizza for the last two weeks. Uh, he is back. Um, you, dude, when you left, the Orioles didn't win for like, it felt like a week uh, after you left. I was ready to say, your ass is coming home at the end of this Yankees. <laughs> and then Wildwood, the lights go out over there. And uh, dear my dear friends, uh, Lori Piper uh, and Jerry Piper, their boat almost sank off the, the coast of Wildwood. During all of that mess where the where power went out, like all this crazy stuff that went on. Welcome back. Uh, I know you were stressed out about the Orioles and Yankee Stadium last Monday and Tuesday. Dennis and I were talking about the big crowds and the they didn't play well. They weren't hitting well. They weren't pitching well. Oh, you blow out the Yankees once or twice and take it through the weekend, and here we go. Well, it's a big party here for the All-Star break, especially with Adley Rutschman and his old man, right? No question about it. And let's be clear, I wasn't stressed out at all on vacation. I... Followed along on my phone a little bit. I tried to use the Masson app a couple times unsuccessfully. I missed out on Colton Kowser's first at bat, and that was something that ticked me off. But uh, that aside, it, it's the ebbs and flows of a baseball season. And it, it is amusing when you're detached from it in the way that I was for a little while to see the reaction to losing six of seven, which, let's face it, even the best teams in baseball year in and year out are going to have some kind of stretch like that, right? right. Uh, I mean, it well, might it's not the be middle of July. Seven, but... They haven't had one yet, right? That means right. they're having a pretty good year. Right. I mean, that had been their first four-game losing streak. No, they weren't playing good baseball. Brandon Hyde said as much uh, as they were down 0-2 in that four-game set at the in the Bronx last week. But it's just it, – it's a case now where you look back long enough now and we think back to the long winning streak that started this last year. You know, it was really early July when the Orioles took off last year. So this has been a calendar year now that they have not just been good but been really good. I mean, look at the record. It, it speaks for itself. Uh, this is the best winning percentage they've had at the All-Star break since 97. I mean, that was the wire-to-wire 98-win Orioles that everyone thought was going to go to the World Series until Marquise Grissom hits the home run against Armando Benitez in Game 2. By the way, but, that's hard for me to because I've been on the air 31 and a half, almost 32 years. Like, I remember 97. It's crazy to me that we didn't exist in 97. 97, we were broadcasting from yeah. over at the Sheridan, an afternoon drive. I remember it well. Um, that we started in 98. It's been that long. In the history of the radio station, 25 summers, um, the best one's still the one before we existed. So, yes, that's it's a long time. It's a long time. I was 14 at the time. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, it, hey, the Ravens were a, a year old at that point in time. It was a long time. So it speaks to where this club is right now. But to see them do what they did over the final two games uh, against the Yankees to get a four-game split, which is not something that, you know, you'll take that. You know, you go into a series like that against one of your division rivals on the road, you'll take that. So they regrouped. And then after having the issues they had against Minnesota the previous weekend uh, to go there and you know, beat up on the twins, you know, and, you know, really uh, go, come away with the sweep and you're feeling good in a 15 to two final on Sunday. Uh, it really is one of those cases that it's funny that a week ago you were saying, wow, they're, they're limping to the all-star break. They need this break. And now you're saying, wow, the, the way the bats came alive, you don't really want to stop playing. So uh, again, it's a long season, but the last couple of weeks showed us that yeah, there are peaks and valleys. There are good times, and there are going to be some times, even for the best teams, where 
you're struggling. Look at Tampa Bay, uh, the, the way that they scuffled going into the break, the fact that the Orioles are uh, right there with them now uh, in the AL East and setting up for what's going to be a really exciting second half of baseball. So the, hey, this, it's exciting the team... for the Red Sox. They're in last place, but they're playing 530 ball. Like, like I, it's the strangest year in this. What a year to imbalance the schedules where we now have like as you would say, a sample size, the math teacher in you, where we have half of a year of a sample size and say all of these teams are that much better than all the rest of those teams. Right. I mean, just look at the not just the fact that each team is over 500, but the fact that each team has a, a positive run differential. You know, it, it's not some fluky situation where you look at some teams and say, OK, well, they're this many games over 500, but you look at their run differential and it's you know, minus four, something like that, where but you say, at, okay, how the standings would be different if they all had to play each other another 13 times, right? Yeah, I mean, it'd, it'd be hard to say uh, exactly how it plays out, but it, it is interesting in the year that we go back to a much more balanced schedule uh, as it was many years ago, looking at the American League. I mean, you're going back to, you know, pre what, pre the Rays coming into existence uh, and kind of see how it was back then, but. Uh, it, it's setting up to be really exciting. As you mentioned, you know, you, you look at the Red Sox and, okay, they're in last place, but, you know, they're still five games over 500. You know, they're they're still very much in the thick of uh, the wild card race. So uh, th- this is going to be a, a heck of a second half of baseball, not just for the Orioles, but for the entire division. But I, I think it really does speak to just the job that they've done building this thing the idea that they've brought up some young guys recently uh, and now, and, and we'll get into it, the roster crunch that they're going to find here now with Ryan Mountcastle brought back for the last game before the break. What does that mean? Right. You know, at, at the all-star break, 14 position players, 12 pitchers, they're not going to stick with that alignment. So who's going to go, you know, you've already optioned. Well, out Bruce Zimmerman, you know, the, the, the guys on the edge, they're done. Right. I mean, we're talking about like O'Hearn and some of these other guys, like I, I, I don't, I don't know where the edges of all this are. I just know when Urias hit the ball off his foot and stayed in the game on Sunday, I'm thinking to myself, they have so much um, flexibility, right? You always talk about the Ravens' defense and it not being a traditional 4-3 or 3-4 or hybrid or whatever mm-hmm. it is, but plug and play. You know, you got guys that can play shortstop or third. You got guys that can play the outfield or the infield. You got, you got a lot of different players, and then you think about the bench when a guy does knock a ball off his foot and you're playing with – not enough guys on the bench. Now they're up 14 to one or whatever. It didn't matter. Right. But mm-hmm. th- there is a point where you want to have the kind of flexibility had. I know you've talked about pinch runners late in games. Uh, you know, when, when they eventually go to what they're going to do in the infield, which eventually they're going to have like six or seven first or second year players. And like Hayes and Mullins, right? Eventually that's what this is going to be. It's going to be all young guys. And, and, the, the core there, there's not going to be any space here for hangers on, right? Not really. I mean, not really. And and you just mentioned it. I mean, Ramon Arias, I, I thought it was interesting to see him play maybe a little more than usual over the last five, six games going into the break. To me, that was a signal of, are you trying to showcase this guy to maybe trade him? I mean, he won the gold glove last year, but you look at the fact that they have Westberg up now. Uh, Gunnar Henderson certainly deserves to play just about every day, unless maybe he's facing a tough left-handed starter. Uh, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out with you know, Adam Frazier and you know, Jorge Mateo 
you love the tools, but certainly has played his way out of being an everyday starting shortstop at this point. I mean, that's just reality. Uh, so you don't have enough room for everyone, especially if you're looking at the Mount Castle O'Hearn situation. Uh, Mount Castle, we've talked about it. He's had a sub 270 on base percentage even before you know the, the bout with Vertigo that landed him on the IL. O'Hearn's been really, really good for them. So uh, I, I could foresee uh, a little bit of a platoon scenario for, Aaron for those two been guys. Good. Who would have ever thought that, right? Exactly, exactly. So, th- and let's be clear. These are good problems to have. This is a good situation. It's just like at the end of the preseason when we're talking about the Ravens and saying, well, can you can you keep this guy? You'd like to keep this veteran around, but, well, you just drafted this guy in the fifth round and and you like his long-term upside. So, you know, what, how does this eventually shake out? You never know because, like you said, Ramon Urias fouls one off his leg and uh, that that's just a reminder of how quickly something can change. You know, we saw it with Mullins on Memorial Day, how he lands on the IL and suddenly Aaron Hicks is here uh, to your point and, and doing what he's done. But you know, they certainly have options and there's certainly there's more coming. Uh, I mean, uh, Sunday was a great reminder of this, not only talking about the draft and, you know, they take Enrique Bradfield, who might be their starting center fielder in a couple of years. You know, who knows what happens with Cedric Mullins long term uh, and what this kid looks That's like. That's why you don't want to deal him for a pitcher six weeks from now because you're feeling like we can comp- or three weeks from now even compete. Right. Like all of this talk about pitchers and what Elias does. I'm at the point where with Elias and I don't mean to kiss his ass on the air, but whatever he does, I'm a I, I it should be his his palate on this. And if they don't try real hard to win the World Series this year by going out and buying pitchers, it means they didn't trade Kowser or Holland. And they're not trading Holiday, but in right. trading any of any of these guys that could wind up being something. You know, I saw my Dell on the on the pregame show on Sunday and stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, these guys so far they've been freaking geniuses. John Angelo should be so lucky. Uh, he better re-up them. He better yeah. re-up them while he's out trying to get federal money and, you know, be, be the architect of downtown when he can't even fix his own baseball team. Um, this is an interesting time for the franchise, Luke, mm-hmm. uh, with Westmore and with the state and with Politico making reports over the weekend about federal money that if this is their charge to win the, the World Series this year, that they feel like that's really important and giving up two, three, four pieces of their farm system. These are deep, deep questions because they're good enough to win the World Series right now, right? I mean, I, I they, they've been, they've proven this for a year and a half now. They're good enough that once they get to October, they can win a couple of games and they have enough pitching, whether it's Gibson tonight or whoever, whoever they have, that they don't need to spend $20 million and players give away the farm to load up to win this year because they have to win this year. I mean, dirty little secret, dude, they don't have to win this year. Fans are okay. They'll, they'll they'll eat the hamburger waiting on the steak for now because the hamburger's pretty good right now. So I don't know that they need to give the farm away, but these are questions we and, – and, Luke, I want to bring something up because of Cowser and you being away. You and I, you've been here 15 years. Um, I've been here 25, and, I, and they, they didn't have prospects like that years ago. They mm-hmm. had Jeffrey Hammonds for five minutes. They thought Alex Ochoa was a prospect. Rocky <laughs> Coppinger. They didn't have – prospects even when they stunk they didn't draft well right um i go back i had greg olson on last week he's like you do know i was the first first round pitcher to actually make the team in 10 years right i'm like yeah i was a fan in the 80s i remember that so we put all of this stress on all you know kid gets drafted on sunday night all that this organization used to be so awful with the old man that he would fire Mike Flanagan for drafting Matt Weeders because Matt was going to cost over slot. That happened. You can go back and look that up. And then once Weeders were getting the organization, 
they would not start his clock. We haven't heard anything about clock starting with any of these young players in regard to how much we might have to pay them later because Uncle Peter's taking a nap and eating pudding. Like, this, I'll tip my cap to John on this. I have not heard a word from anybody about, well, you know, John doesn't really want to start Holiday's clock because you'll have to pay him in 2026. Like, I haven't heard any of that. That's good. That means they're, they're focused on what they should be, winning, not how much money are they going to scam from the people. They've been doing that for, they've been good at that. They've been really good at that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think overall, I think that's fair. I mean, I think you, you could certainly go back and look at Adley Rutschman and say that they didn't push him to the major leagues nearly as quickly as they could have. And of course, you know, they were a really, lost team. They didn't need to, right? right exa- exactly. And, that, and that's hey, my Adley, point. that's how we got you. We stunk so bad, we got to take you. Yeah, I mean, they were historically bad in 2018, and 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 that was the year they entered trying to win. Actually, keep in mind, let's you let's lose remember that many that. games, you get the first pick in a second pick. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> uh, and and it worked out that he was the kind of player that hey, he's an all star five years later. So there you or four years later. So there you go. But yeah, you you look at it, and especially now, and this it really started with them deciding to bring up Gunnar Henderson late last year. Uh, I mean, if they really wanted to play that game, you know they. They could have dragged their feet longer on him. You know, they they could have held off on bringing him up late last year and and brought him up in May this year. You know, and done that kind of thing, but they didn't. Uh, and and that's they could that have been a better ball club for 15 years when they stunk by actually drafting the best player. Well, Peter didn't and, believe in that. Peter well, didn't believe in paying Scott Boras players. He believed in, dude. Name the names of whatever Adam Lowens and just go through all of the names of all those guys. Some of them. Are, way more anonymous than Adam Lowen, but uh, this is different. Even yeah. when they're taking a kid, what they pick 17th, the other eighteen, whatever they picked, right? right? They're picking in the middle of the round. Even this kid by all stats and by everything. And by fans minds, we hear of him. We feel like he's going to at least play in the major leagues at some point. He, he might not be the number one overall this or that, but we feel like eh, these guys have a, these guys have a track record now of being very, very good. Exactly. And it's, I mean, it's easy to look at Adley Rutschman. It's easy to look at Colton Kowser, who's a top five pick. It's easy to look at those types of guys, Jackson Holiday, who promoted to Bowie on Sunday and just the, the track, the, the path that he's on. I mean, this, this kid's going to be in the major leagues next year. Uh, I mean, barring well, an injury. Unless Heston Kerstad has a physical ailment, right? He'd be in the majors right now. He right. might. So, uh, I mean, right. they're picking these guys that back in the days of Todd Van Poppel and BJ Surhoff and like Ben McDonald and Andy Bennis and when you pick those guys back in the day, it really it felt like didn't, I mean, even with Ben, I called him a savior and uh, Greg Olson squared me up on that. But I was a fan in 1988, 89. It was a savior to me that doesn't feel like any of these guys are saviors. But it feels like when you invest in scouting a player that you don't say five years, well, it was just a high schooler. We didn't know. We didn't know. Well, you used your mm-hmm. number one pick on him. The, the thing that the organization has going for it now, it's not only just identifying good players, but having the kind of system that can even get through a kid's physical problems, health problems, and still get his head, his mind back on track to be a baseball player. Uh, and, and the plague, they've lived through the plague for all these guys have lived through the plague the last three years, four years. This is this is very, very impressive. It really, really is. And I've been on the air 31 years, 25 years here bitching about stuff. This is impressive. And they've earned the hall pass to say, Whatever players they trade for, whatever they give away, whatever money they spend of John's by the end of the month to win the World Series this year, these guys have to have a a, a more of a two- to five-year halo plan here. They have to. 
And they should. And I've said that all along. And look, let's be clear. I want them to get better at the trade deadline if the right move presents itself. I mean, you should, because as much as you talk about these long-term plans, we can go back to the Ravens and you know go back to 2006. The Ravens were 13-3, and three, and then they lose to Indy, and we saw what happened the following year. 2019, 14-2, record setter, 13 Pro Bowl players, Lamar Jackson, unanimous MVP. Well, they've won one playoff game since then. Uh, I mean, it's it's tough to do. There's no guarantee. So I want to be clear in, in stating that. I still want to see them do everything they possibly can to improve them within the framework of understanding, yeah, I'm not looking at this as a one-time shot. But that said, going back to what we were talking about with the draft picks, for me, it's one thing to say you're going to nail the first overall pick. You're going to nail second overall or fifth overall. But look at Gunnar Henderson. You know, he wasn't a he wasn't the first overall pick. He's a guy they developed. He's a high school kid they developed uh, to the point that he became baseball's top prospect last year. And you see what he's done. He's one of their best players now uh, at age, you know, just turned 22. Uh, you look at Jordan Westberg. You know, he was. You know, a competitive, you know, competitive balance, a round, you know, it's kind of that sandwich pick uh, at the end of the first round. And he's in the majors and he's looked good. Uh, so so it's not just the top five overall picks where you say, OK, you are picking from the pool of the absolute best players or all of the best players minus a couple. Uh, for me, it's impressive to see them with these competitive balance picks or second round, third round, you know, we've seen other guys make their major league debut, you know, even some guys where it hasn't worked out quite as well, you know, a, a Kyle Stowers, for example. Uh, so, but you're developing guys and that's where you look at Enrique Bradfield jr. As I'll just bring him up. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm extremely well-versed in tracking this kid at Vanderbilt, but you watch his highlights, you look at the stats, you look at the incredible defense in center field. And this is a, Look, we always do this for drafts. It's it's easy to make a lazy comp. You know, you watch him play. You watch the highlights. You see a little bit of Kenny Lofton in him. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a quarter of the player that Kenny Lofton is. Kenny Lofton's the kind of guy that is, you know, someone who probably should have gotten garnered a little more Hall of Fame consideration than he ever got. That's how good of a player he was for a long time. Uh, but that kind of player with the speed, the defense, the on-base ability, he walked more than he struck out at Vanderbilt playing in a an elite program for an elite baseball conference. And the fact that, okay, yeah, it's the middle of the first round. There are no guarantees. This isn't like football where you get beyond the first four or five picks in baseball. It really does truly become much more of a crapshoot. But because the Orioles have the track record they that they've had over the last three or four years at the very least uh, in the Michael Elias, Sigmai Dell era, you look at that pick and you're absolutely right. Not saying he's going to become a future all-star. Or that he's going to supplant Cedric Mullins uh, as soon as he gets to the majors in a couple years, uh, but you feel like he has a, an excellent chance to at least be a major league contributor for you. And even if he's just that, even if he never becomes an all star, but he becomes a guy that can help you win three, four years down the road and beyond, then that's a really successful first round pick. So you're absolutely right from the, in that regard. So. I just thought it was fascinating on Sunday. You look at all the things that happened. You know, Mount Castle off the IL. Orioles win their fifth straight game. They're 19 over 500 once again. Uh, they call up Jackson Holiday to Bowie. Kobe Mayo's going to Norfolk. Uh, all these different things that happened. Adley Rutschman in the home run derby. And four players going to the All-Star game. Austin Hayes starting. And, oh, yeah, they 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 had the draft. The first-round pick, when you consider what that meant over the last five years, compared to what it meant Sunday night, which fans were still interested, but it wasn't this 
moment where you're trying to say, okay, is this guy going to be the next savior? Is this going to be a guy that saves them from their the plight of what the last several years have been? No, it was more a detail in what was a really good day for uh, a team that has the third best record in baseball at the all-star break. Boy, they've come a long way, even in two years, you know, easily five years, but in two years, considering where they were two years ago in 2021. They were irrelevant two and, years ago today, completely irrelevant. Oh, completely irrelevant and still feeling, okay, you knew Adley Rutschman was coming and it's not that the farm system hadn't gotten much better at that point, but so but many of those guys. all of these young guys to work out and they have. Right. And, and well, and they were still so far away, right? I mean, okay, again, Adley Rutschman could have been in the majors two years ago. I mean, that's how good he was, you know, and how good he is uh, and how polished he was coming out of Oregon State. It's the reason why he was 1-1. Uh, but the rest of these guys, they were still a year or two away. So when you're in that position, well, you feel that way about Rodriguez right now, right? He was can't miss, shouldn't miss, no way. It brought him up. He stunk. He's back. And now we're like, he might be the savior. He might be the guy that comes up two weeks from now and looks like he's ready now. He looked like he's ready again back in the He's always looked like he's ready in the minors, right? He had that hiccup up here, and maybe they don't have to make a deal. Maybe he comes in and can make 18 starts the rest of the way or 14 starts the rest of the way and be really good. And be that guy that gets you the fifth or sixth inning most nights and gets jammed up once a month, but gives you a chance to win five out of six times taking the ball. He could be that guy. And if he's that guy, they don't have to give anybody up. And and I I don't know if I start hearing Mayo or Kowser or 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 Holiday or any of these names be even Hall brought up in regard to trading out, they better win the World Series. You're gonna go give him two, three prospects up. You better be convinced you're winning in October because you're gonna be there again next year and the year after that and not gonna have these players. And I think it's different than dealing for the six foot seven pitcher a number of years ago and giving Rodriguez away uh, and having to look around and say hey, we have to play against him with the Red Sox for a decade or whatever. I think it's different. Even back then, they weren't winning with young players. Back then, it felt like shit. Machado's gonna be gone. Davis is on whatever pill he's on. That's like, we got to do it now, right now. The Marcakis takes the, the 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 injury, and they didn't win, right? But going all in, I think it was different then than now. I, I I am not of the mindset that I need you to send out a WNST text that they pick up the pitcher from the Brewers and give up half the farm system for him. I'm not I'm not a believer in that. Right now, and that's fair. And look, that's. They they had I mean they had Machado they had Jonathan Scope you know it, it's not as though they were completely vo- devoid of young talent but you're right it certainly was a much more veteran laden club there's they no doubt keep about Nelson that Nelson Cruz around and they could have you, you sure. know what I mean there were guys they could have kept and didn't keep of course of of course and we know that in 2014 was the high water mark of the Buck Showalter era and you know they had the 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 situation in Toronto two years later and Zach Britton being left in the bullpen and it was Dude, all I over. hear you in 06 yeah. with the Ravens and near misses with Flacco and Lee Evans and it might have never happened but it did I, right. I hear you that there's no better time to win than now but I I don't know that I feel desperate for them no we're pitching and if they walked into the playoffs on Friday and they had to play this week with what they have I I I I would say take our chances uh you, you know like that we don't need We'll be okay next year and the year out. I'm I'm okay with next year right now with the Orioles. I really am. That and that's fine. And let me be clear. When I say I want to see them pursue 
that kind of, of an opportunity, that does not mean you're talking about a Jackson holiday or, you know, even a Colton cows or, uh, but you know, you mentioned DL hall. I would be willing to move someone like him in the right deal. And let's be clear. When I say that my preference would be that you're acquiring someone that isn't a rental. It would be someone that you at least have club control, let's say next year, you know, so look, there are going to be lots of deals potentially that can be made. I would not say that I'm desperate uh, whatsoever. You know, I, is this team built to win in October? I, I think you look at the, the history of recent teams that have won in October, played deep in October and early November. You do look at uh, having a couple studs at the stop, top of your rotation. Uh, do the Orioles have that? Could it be Grayson Rodriguez? And they don't need Grayson Rodriguez to be their savior, but I think he can come in and and, and certainly be a lot better than he was. But I'll, I'll also give props to the current rotation this last time through, uh, these last five games that they won, pitched really well uh, against the Yankees and the Twins. So that was good to see. Uh, so it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. But generally speaking, I'm in agreement with what you said. I think every move that you potentially make uh, over the trade, you know, uh, approaching the trade deadline over these next three weeks or so is kind of done with two two motivating factors. One, how do you make yourself better for the rest of this year? But two, and this is where I really uh, feel more passionate about it. What can you do to make yourself better long-term and maintain that health in your farm system? And I think with undoubtedly it feels like that's something Mike Elias is going to do because he's earned the benefit of the doubt uh, as it pertains to how he's built this thing over the last five years. He's Luke Jones. We've been talking baseball all week here. It's the all-star game. Adley Rutschman, dad, game, Austin Hayes. We haven't mentioned Austin Hayes. I definitely want to talk a little bit more about him. Luke is back from vacation. You can find him at Baltimore, Luke. Uh, you can find me on the Maryland Crab Cake Tour. We're Coco's this Thursday. We've got great guests. Rasig is coming by. Dave Shinen's coming by. Uh, Senator Corey McRae's coming by. Marcella's going to be there. Y'all yell about these Coco's Crab Cakes. I'm back. Ma- unmasked. Last time we were there, we had to have the mask on. We'll be there on Thursday from 2 until 5. Uh, next week, we're at the Beaumont on the 20th in Catonsville in the afternoon. Might have a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer stopping by that day, so I'm looking forward to that. And then, of course, our 25th anniversary on August 3rd at Costas, August 4th. We're going to be at Drug City celebrating for two days. I've got all the old Get Nasty shirts out, the newsletters, books, stuff like that. We're hauling it all down to Costas to give it all away. I hope that you guys have some memories for me as well. I'm NestedBaltimorePositive.com. We're back for more. We are WNST, AM 1570, Towson, Baltimore. It's the All-Star break. It's our 25th anniversary. We're having fun around here. Stay with us at Baltimore Positive.